Amen. What a delight and a privilege it is to be with you here at all seasons. Uh, my wife Tiffany and Joshua, my son, are with me, and uh, we just uh, really are thankful for your pastors, Tim and Elise Lott. They, um, they are the finest leaders that you will find anywhere, and I don't have to tell you that, of course, you know that here at All Seasons Church. Are you thankful for your pastors this morning? I think we ought to give them some appreciation. Amen. <laughs> and this is a beautiful church, and, and it's a beautiful campus, but more than that, you're a beautiful people. And God has his hand on this church, and I'm thankful for uh, the blessing of this church and this community. God's going to continue doing great things. I've been here before, not in a worship service, but been here many times for youth camps and uh, teen talents and events like that, but this is my first time getting to join you in a church service, and uh, I'm very thankful to have this opportunity. I do pastor the Outpouring Church, as Bradley has said, in Olive Branch, and let me just throw in one thing really quick. Um, we just began a ministry called Love Poured Out, and uh, it's its 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 own separate ministry. It's connected to the church. It's under R501c3, but it is a totally separate account, and it is a ministry that is seeking to help families that are Christian families that are adopting children to be able to afford the cost of adoption. And uh, this is a ministry that God put on our hearts to do, and we had just, you know, God just brought some major donations in initially when we kicked off this ministry to help us have the funds we needed. And uh, we've, we've already helped three families adopt children, and uh, there are several more applicants that we are working with now. But I just wanted to throw this out there. If there's anybody here, you know, you come to church, you live for God, and maybe there's a child in the foster care system that you are um, working, you know, to adopt, or maybe you're looking for a match to an agency and you want a child that may otherwise not be in church and raised in an environment like this to have the opportunity to come to your home and, and be loved and find a forever home and also be plugged into church and know about God. And if that's your story today and you're here and you're thinking, wow, I did not know that this, was, this process was so extensive and so expensive uh, and you would like more information from us, you can see me or my wife after service. So just wanted to say that to you today, and uh, it, it would just be something that we can uh, help you get started on, and I hope that's okay that I mentioned that today. But I am excited about this opportunity to bring a word to you. You know, in view of what's unfolding in our world, I mean, it's just been a little over a week ago uh, when we saw the horrific events that took place in Israel, and now the fighting that's happened and casualties on both sides. And, and it seems like war uh, shows no sign of stopping. And uh, there's just chaos going on everywhere. And we in the United States of America, you know, we, 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 we have our challenges too. The world really is, is a chaotic place right now. But I want you to know something today, that God has a plan, that God is with us today. And he's for us. And what does the Bible say? If God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. So I really want to bring a word to you that I hope will be refreshing and encouraging to you today. 
So I want to look at Matthew 28 as a text, and I'm going to be reading specifically verses 16 through 20. And we're going to be looking at some words that Jesus shared with his disciples that encouraged them in a confusing time in their life. Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. If you'd like to stand for the reading of God's Word, if it's your custom to do so, you may stand. The Bible says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, when they saw Jesus, they worshipped him, but notice it says, but some doubted. Verse 18 says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And notice his final words to them, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me before I go into this message? Let's pray that the Lord would accomplish something in the remainder of our time together today. Father, I thank you for the people that have come out this morning. We thank you for the worship, Lord that has gone up. I thank you for the way your Holy Spirit has already moved, Lord, and lives that have been touched. But we pray, God, that this word will be used today, will be anointed today, and used to bless someone's heart and life, to encourage someone today. Lord, I pray, God, that you would prepare our future for us, Lord, and help us, God, to walk into our destiny. We give you praise, and we thank you, Jesus, for you are good, Lord. You're an awesome God. Thank you, Jesus. Can we give God praise before you see seated? Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. God bless you. So this was a moment of destiny for the disciples. Jesus had foretold of this event a couple of chapters earlier in Matthew 26 and 32 when he said, after I have risen, after I've risen from the dead, I will go ahead of you. So the plan was to meet them, the disciples, at this certain mountain in Galilee. And most scholars believe that the meeting place was the Mount of Transfiguration, where Jesus first revealed his glory to them. Now, one of the purposes that took place when Jesus was transfigured on top of this mountain and the disciples saw him in his glory, one of the purposes was so that the disciples would gain a greater reassurance of who Jesus really was. They needed to see him elevated and rise above the great prophets. They needed to see him more than just a great teacher or a great preacher or even a great miracle worker. They needed to know that he was the son and is the son of the living God. And so now, fast forward to this time. You have these fledgling fishermen, for the most part. They were turned into itinerant preachers. They had a work to do. They had a destiny before them. They were about to receive the great commission. 
but they weren't quite, quite ready to step into that destiny just yet. They needed one more moment of divine reassurance. They needed one more moment with God. They needed one more moment and one more word with Jesus or from Jesus Christ to get them ready for what God wanted to do in their lives. So Jesus met them on this mountain in order to provide them that confidence and that word, that assurance that they needed to go on and to do great things for the Lord. Can I tell you this morning, God has great things for each and every one of us in this house this morning. You know, no one here today is set, is set aside and set out of the plans of God and, 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 and put, put away from God, but you're included in God's great plans. God has a plan and a destiny for you, and God wants to get you prepared for what he has ahead of you in your life. So there's some things that God wanted the disciples to understand. The first thing he wanted them to understand was that he was in control. And in essence, the very first words that Jesus spoke were just that, that I'm in control. Because he says this, he spake unto them saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. I want to say that again. The words of Jesus was, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. There's no power that Christ doesn't have. He's saying, I've got the power to mark out and plan out your destiny. The plans of the Lord are firm and secure. And God is controlling the ultimate destiny. You just have to be in God's will and be in God's plan. And you will see the plan of God unfold. And so he wanted the disciples to know this. You see, he addressed this, this need to understand that they served a sovereign Lord and Savior. Because some were dealing with doubt. It said just that in the text. Uh, when they saw him, of course it was before he spoke to them, but when they saw him, it says some doubted. Now they were worshiping him, but some doubted. Did you know that still happens today? You still have Christians today that are good people, good Christians. They've been faithful. They'll come to church. You might be here this morning and you've worshiped God with all your might, but there's still some things going on in your life that's causing some confusion. There might be a seed of doubt there. And I want you to understand that God does not punish you for just having a small seed of doubt in your life, but he wants to show you that it's going to be resolved. The things that you're wrestling with this morning, the things that are confusing you this morning will be resolved. Just hang in there and keep being faithful and trust the Lord and lean not on your own understanding, the Word of God says. But in all your ways, to finish that scripture, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will do what? He will direct your paths. So when we first glance at this, some of us are going to question, how can these guys be questioning anything right now? I mean, the resurrected Son of God is standing before them, yet they're still having a faith crisis. We have to remember that they were trying to make sense out of everything that had happened. The three and a half years of following Jesus around the countryside, watching him perform miracles, teaching parables, and then suddenly the cross 
of Christ shows up. And Jesus is placed on that cross, brutally murdered before their very eyes. But now, somehow, some way, three days later, he comes out of the tomb alive. He's back. You talk about having your head spin around. I mean, emotions going way up and going way down and going way back up, you know, on an emotional roller coaster. These guys were on an emotional roller coaster. And now they're starting to try to, you know, get their, you know, get their footing again. Wow, he's back. And, you know, I don't know how this all happened, but, but, but that's him. That's really him. Thomas would say, yeah, you know, I didn't believe it was him, but I put my hand, you know, in his nail prints and I, my whole hand went into his side where the spear had pierced him. It's really him. He's back. Oh, but didn't you hear what he said? He said, I got to go away again. And if I go away, I'm going to send another comforter. What in the world are you talking about? We just got him back from the dead. Now, now he's saying he's going to leave us again. I don't understand that. And who is this comforter? What is this business about? I don't know if you've ever been there in your Christian walk. I don't know if you've ever been there, but if you've lived for God any length of time, then most likely you have been through a scenario in your life where you feel like you're on that roller coaster, up and down. You get a word from God, a confirmation from God, and then it seems like the bottom falls out, and you got to dig deep in your faith and find a way to come back again. And you come back only to find out uh, that there's more challenges and more tests and more trials yet to come. What does it mean? What does all this mean, Lord? Why does he have to leave us again? What's next for us? I don't know if we can make it. I don't know if we can make it if he goes away again. I don't know how I'm going to make it. I don't know if I'm going to fall apart. God, I don't know, God, if I can get through this, Lord, that's going to come on my See next week, Lord. I, I know, God, I, I got to go back to the doctor and they got to read another report. And, and God, they, they, you know, they're not giving me much hope or not giving, Lord, my loved one much hope. I, I don't know, God, I got this financial crisis that's hit my family, God. I don't know, Lord, what we're going to do. I don't understand what's next, Lord. If you're in a crisis mode today, you're not alone. But let me tell you something about a faith crisis. A faith crisis will either drive you to a deeper place in God or you'll make a decision to abandon God. It'll either cause you to go to the meeting place with God or to cause you to go away from it. But for the disciples, their crisis of faith drove them to the mountain to meet with Jesus. Praise the Lord. Because we could criticize these guys all day long. We, we could say, you know, if that was me, I think I'd handle that better, you know. Chances are we wouldn't handle it any better than they did. But I think we need to remember that the most important thing was that they showed up. Jesus said, go on to that mountain. I'm going ahead of you, but go to that mountain. And I want you to climb that tall mountain and get up there on the top of it. And then you'll get the next orders for your life. You'll, you, you'll get the next word that you need. You know, sometimes when we don't have an answer, it's God's way of getting us in the prayer closet. It's God's way of getting us desperate, getting us hungry and thirsty for the presence of God. 
It's as Jesus told us when he said, Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. There's something about a desperate person. There's something powerful about a believer who has entered into a season of the unknowns in their life because that person if they really have that mustard seed faith they're not going to give up when they they don't understand what's happening they're not going to give up because the way is not clear they're going to go into that place where they can meet with God and they're going to dig deep in their faith until they hear from God if if the floor is stained with tears in sweat. Whatever it takes, I'm going to hear from God. I'm not going to give up. This sickness and this illness is not my end. These problems I'm facing are not going to destroy me. They're not going to destroy my faith. I'm going to, by the grace and power of Almighty God, find the Lord in all of this. And I'm going to see His glory yet again. Praise the Lord. I'm preaching to somebody this morning. You need to see the glory, just like the singers sing this morning. See the glory of God yet again. You will find Him if you seek for Him. You see, these weren't men. These disciples weren't men that were looking for accolades or praises. And they weren't just trying to show how spiritual they were. The mountain was not a stage. It was a meeting place with God. They were climbing up that mountain because they were desperate. It reminds me of what Psalms 42 and 1 says. As the deer thirsts for the water brooks, so my soul thirsts for my God. Thank you, Jesus. I believe that I'm talking to some folks today that may be right there right now. And you've got some that may be sitting right next to you that's been there before themselves. But if you know what I'm talking about, you'll know that you'll climb that mountain. You'll fight through your discouragement. You'll wrestle with your grief. You'll get to that place where you can be in His presence and hear His voice because you know one word from God will change everything. Praise the Lord. Praise you, Jesus. There was doubt at first, even when they visibly saw him. But then he spoke, and doubt was dispelled. He spoke. The voice of God is so beautiful. The voice of God can be audible, and the voice of God can be a strong impression in your spirit. The voice of God can be as powerful as thunder, yet as soothing as a fall breeze. Voice of God is the voice that called the chaos into order and created all living things. A voice so powerful that the Bible says it breaks the cedars of Lebanon and shakes the desert and twists the oaks until the forest is bare. Yet can be still and small as a whisper. The voice of God. There's nothing like the voice of God. Hallelujah. 
Jesus spoke, and it was the voice of God that spoke unto them. He spoke the reassuring truth to them when he said, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. He's saying no matter what's happened in the past, no matter what's coming up next in your life, rest assured it's going to be all right because I am in control. How many of you are thankful that God is in control this morning? Hallelujah. So along with telling them that he was in control, Jesus next tells them to get busy. There's work to do. Because he says, go and make disciples. It's hard for us to understand the amazing turnaround that these disciples had in the 50 days between the resurrection and Pentecost. After the crucifixion, the disciples were running in fear, hiding from the authorities, and filled with shame and confusion. That was the status quo of the disciples after the scene of the crucifixion. But we see such a dramatic change in their lives, almost a sudden change. Christian history even testifies of this. Christian history tells us that these guys, these disciples became so confident and sold out for God that they willingly laid their lives down for the sake of Christ. Outside of the Bible, there is historic text that tells some stories about the disciples. And some of these stories tell us that the writer of this gospel that we read our text from, Matthew, That Matthew suffered martyrdom in Ethiopia, killed by a sword wound. That John, John the Revelator, John the Beloved, faced martyrdom when he was boiled in a huge basin of oil during a wave of persecution in Rome. However, he was miraculously delivered from death. Peter, Petros, the rock. He was crucified upside down, Christian history says, On an X-shaped cross, according to church tradition, he told his tormentors that he felt unworthy to die in the same way that Jesus died. Bartholomew was martyred for his preaching in Armenia, where he was flayed to death by a whip. Thomas was stabbed with a spear and killed in India for preaching Christ. The list could go on and on. Now, that realistic and bloody history of the early church may scare some of you here today. It's not easy to talk about. But what I want to focus on the most is the boldness and the courage these guys had, so much so that they would stand by their faith in the face of death. How could a man like Peter, for instance, run from responsibility when Jesus was arrested And say, I I know not the man three times denying Jesus to know Jesus. Yet later, say, I'm unworthy to die like Jesus died. Crucify me upside down. What happened to these men? Well, let me tell you what happened. They finally became convinced that Jesus was never going to leave them alone. They became convinced that they were part of a great destiny that was bigger than themselves. 
So they didn't have to be afraid of death anymore. They didn't have to be afraid of temporary circumstances anymore. Like Paul said, for me to live is Christ and me to die is gain. When you're sold out to Christ, when you truly get sold out to Christ, something shifts in your spirit. Something can shift and change in your heart and mind to where your focus is on things eternal and not on things of this earth. And you have a confidence that you never had before. You see, when I I preach this today, I'm reminded of the state of the world and the state of our nation. And I'm reminded of how how important it is for Christians today to have this kind of boldness and this kind of courage. You see, the Bible says in Ephesians 5 and 16 to redeem the time because the days are evil. The days are evil. The days upon us that are leading us to the final end. They're evil days. But God says we have the power to redeem the time. Luke 19 and 13. Jesus told us to occupy till I come back again. Till I come receive you into myself. Be in the business of occupying and representing me. And he said in Luke 12 and 25, be dressed and ready for service and keep your lamps burning. Praise the Lord. God's lifting up an army and raising up a people that are not afraid of what's going on in the world anymore, but they have their confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe there's some things that you know that you're supposed to be doing for God, but you are not finding the direction that you need. Maybe you're still dealing with things in the past that's got you tied up. Maybe current situations have got you, you know, in a, in a lockdown, in, in, in a holding pattern. It's almost as if you've been sidelined. It's like a great player, a great football player that has great agility and great gifting, but for whatever reason, maybe it's an injury. Maybe they had one bad game and it messed their mind up and they they don't have the confidence they need anymore, so the coach had to sideline them for a season. But if you're on the sidelines today, let it be just for a season. And understand God's got a new season for you that he wants you to walk into. I don't know what might have happened to you in the past, what someone did to you, what someone said to you that damaged your faith in people. Some folks have blamed God for their dilemma. And sometimes it's our own shortcomings our own failures, our own vices that just keep us down. But I'm here to talk to some folks that have some dreams that God gave you that are dormant. Some plans that you know God gave you that are delayed. Some gifts that the Holy Spirit laid on you that are unused. Some callings that are on hold. And I'm here to tell you that God wants to reawaken those things. This is a revival service this morning. And God wants to revive you and reawaken those things in your life that he's given you and that he's given you to do and get your life back on track. 
I want to say today, this may be for many of you and it may not be for everybody, but I want to tell you that you've been waiting long enough and it's not too late for you. One of the greatest lies of the devil is when he tells people that it's too late for them. You're too old at this point in your life. Too much water has passed under the bridge. You've failed too many times. You've been disappointed too many times. And you've disappointed others too many times. It's too late for you. But it's never too late. You're alive this morning. You made it somehow to this church service. You climbed that mountain to be here this morning. You're breathing today. And God is saying that it is not too late for you. You can hear the voice of God today and have a fresh vision, a fresh wind come on your life forgive people if they've done you wrong forgive them let them go forgive yourself for messing up allow God to heal you recognize that God has given you the gift of this moment to make everything right Because all it takes is one moment in his presence, one word from God to light the fire again in your life. God's not done with you yet. Get busy. How many of you believe God's not done with your life? Amen. Praise the Lord. I want to go to my final point this morning. The final thing that Jesus told them that would solidify their faith was simply this, you are never alone. Surely, he says, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Surely I am with you. In one moment, with one word, Any remaining uncertainty in the hearts of these disciples was vanquished. The promise by Jesus to never leave them had its ultimate fulfillment in the baptism of the Holy Spirit because their next stop was the upper room. In just a few days, Jesus would ascend to the heavens, back to the Father, and the disciples would be back in Jerusalem as Jesus had commanded, ready to receive the power from on high. But I believe that it was this intimate moment with Jesus that prepared them for the fulfillment of God's promise and command. Notice his words again. I am with you always. And I put the emphasis on those first two words, I am. Because I want you to hear it the way the disciples must have heard it when he said, I am with you. To me, I can imagine that this Simple phrase expounded in their spirit, and they must have heard something like this. The I am who I am who said I am the first and the last, the beginning and the end is with you. I believe it was one of those explosive moments where the revelation of God came alive in their spirit. What an awesome promise. He's saying to them that after the brutal crucifixion and after the disappointing failures, I am with you. He's with you today. Someone today just say this with me. I am with you. 
Understand that it's the Lord God Almighty that is saying, I am with you. He's with you. He's never left you. Despite your pain, He's never left you. Despite uh, your failures, He's watched out for you. And He's made a way for you. He's still saying this morning, I am the bread of life and I'll take care of you. He's saying, I am the light of the world and I will continue to shine through you. I am the door and I will open up a new world of power and possibilities for you. I am the good shepherd and I will continue to lead you. I am the resurrection and the life and I will give you power over death. I am the way, the truth, and the life and I will continue to be the only source of salvation. I am the vine and I will give you increase for your labor. I am with you even until the end of the world. Amen. That's it. That's it. That's all that matters. Amen. Praise the Lord. Stand on your feet with me. It took just a simple, desperate act of faith for those disciples to climb up that mountain and show up for this meeting with God. And God rewarded them with a word that would define the rest of their lives. Today, if you're in need from a visitation from God, if you need the Lord to personally walk into your intimate space today and speak a fresh word into your life, if that's you, there's a meeting place with God here this morning. I'm going to ask the Lord to move on your heart in life today. And then I'm going to open these altars one more time for anyone to pray and to seek God that would like to today. Father, I thank you, Jesus. I believe, God, there's change coming to lives. I believe there's hearts, God, that are going to be liberated today. I believe, God, there's going to be a fresh word spoken into hearts and lives today. There's people that are seeking you, and they're going to find you today. There's people that are drawing closer to you, Lord, and I know you're going to meet them here today. We ask, Lord Jesus, that you'll touch every heart in life in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. As you continue just to seek the Lord in prayer, is there anyone today that would just come forward and say, I need the presence of God right now. I need the strength of God right now. I need a fresh word from God, a fresh revelation from God. I'm not even necessarily asking him just to take me out of the fire. I would love to have a shift right now and be out of this trial. But if he wants to keep me in it, I'll stay in it. But i got to have him. i got to know he's with me and he's for me that he's the fourth man in the fire. I need to know that I'm not going to be consumed by these things. Are you here today? I invite you to come. Thank you, Jesus. 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 
Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. These that have come up here, if there's anyone that's on a prayer team or anyone that prays, helps pray this morning, I invite you to come and be behind these today and just begin to intercede for them. Let's let the Lord move today. Praise God. Praise God.